Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the happiest, most proud, prideful. I mean, guys, help me out here with some adjectives. USA. I mean, this is easily USA. USA. The proudest Free. I have ever been in my life as a Chelsea <laughs> fan. This is probably the proudest Andreas has ever felt to be an American. That, that's probably true, right? <laughs> uh, no, it hasn't been that oh, long. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, this... It's this up is... there. Let's say it's top three. <laughs> cool. This is up there with getting your citizenship, right? It has to be. Man, I honestly... So, I was helping my grandparents move this weekend, and I was just... My phone kept buzzing, and it was like, goal, Pulisic. I was like, oh, sweet. He got his... uh debut goal then like two minutes later or whatever it buzzes again or 20 minutes later it buzzes again i'm like okay i, I already got this notification it's <laughs> going on then 10 minutes later or 20 minutes later because there was halftime it buzzes again i was like oh wait no he scored two goals then then i check again it's like oh wait it's a hat trick okay like i see you i definitely need to go home and watch this match so no, i was awesome. i was i was actually i, I was at a funeral so I was like really sad all day and, and I didn't even check my watch because I, I felt it buzz once and I'm like, okay, that's probably like the halftime whistle. And it was actually the first goal. I was way off. That's how slow time was going. Then a second goal goes and I'm like, okay, maybe we scored. I'm thinking it's like one nil right now. And then it buzzes again and again and again. And I'm like, uh Oh, okay. Game's popping off. I turned off my watch. I didn't see what it was after we got out of the service. I checked my phone. And I don't think I've ever been so conflicted in my life internally because, like, I'm sad I was at a funeral. But at the same time, <laughs> Pulisic scored a hat trick. So it's like, okay, so in the back of my head, I was like, okay, I'm not going to celebrate this until Sunday. So once Sunday comes around, I'll enjoy it. And then what do you know? Yeah, I watched a match yesterday. And, uh, my God, I think – I think he puts the fear of God into defenders. <laughs> just the way he runs at people. It was just it, it was brilliant. And then we got the news about Serginho Dest today. And now that that was just like icing on the cake as an American. This is a great week for American what, soccer. What 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 is LAFC the bigger he wins? Serginho <laughs> Dest Amer commits. I mean, an American no. team would have won any game in the MLS except for Toronto, but so don't don't be too happy about that. But what what's, well, what's a bigger moment in American history? Pulisic scoring that hat trick or the fact that a, we had a dog kill the leader of ISIS? <laughs> what's, what's a bigger – having a dog kill al-Baghdadi, which one was a bigger moment in U.S. Oh history, honestly? Big big week for USA for sure. Did you guys see that? You can probably write like a 16-page uh, research paper on that. <laughs> but, um, Zach, I don't mean to like play down your loss and obviously we're very sorry about that but i could totally see you walking out checking your phone and doing like a quick like no, fist I, bump I, and then I like couldn't. catching yourself like catches like gosh crap i should not be doing this right now no i would no no there's so I many there's so many jokes i could be making right now but just it would be distasteful i know yeah no no <laughs> like it i i was honestly so tempted to check my watch because the only thing i was thinking was like i had a feeling that something big was going to happen in this game. Like the form he was in, the second I saw that he was starting, I'm thinking to myself, of all days, I, of all games I have to miss, I have to miss this one. And then that happens. And NBC had a camera at the stalking horse, which is like, you know, me Did and Sam were talking about going. Uh, Sam hit me up earlier in the week and it's like, let's go. 
and I and I and obviously I couldn't. But like it was just it it was just bad timing, very bad timing. But nonetheless, I'm absolutely thrilled. That was the best thing that could have happened. I don't think I ever saw the camera though at the stalking horse. Like they were only in Houston at the Premier no, League. No, no, no. Austin. It was in Austin. Oh, Austin. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was in Austin. I didn't see the stalking horse at all. I mean, maybe they showed it when I wasn't looking, but. I mean, hey, no, this... no, like, 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 you know, when it pans out and it oh, shows like, like a six second. different pubs across the country. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. yeah. yeah that would be a great on. time to plug our thing for sure. Shit, <laughs> Shout out to Dexter. Um, by the way. Hey, but well that done. wasn't the only win we had this week. We actually had a, arguably a bigger next... win. Yeah. <laughs> in a Champions League match uh, against Ajax. Mishy with the, with the 86 minute game winner, the super sub, uh, to, put us firmly in the lead in our group uh or no actually well not firmly by a point but yeah. still or no, um we're still we're still first yeah it's the first that's all that's the only thing that matters and uh so let me go through the starting lineup real quick so Kepling, goal marco solonzo tomori zuma and aspie main the back line and i'm pretty sure this we played a 3-4-3 three, three, uh formation this match four four three big <clears throat> sorry did i say three four three four three three uh, and then we had uh, Mason Mount, Jorginho, and Kovacic, man in the midfield, and Cho, Tammy, and Willian, the front line, front three. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, I think the one moment that everyone's going to be talking about was the 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 whole the whole Cruyff turn that Tomori did to uh, Zayek, and oh. that was, I mean, that was oh. that was nasty, man. And then he had a couple perfect angle. He had a couple moments where he literally just sprinted back to the to the uh to our own box and i mean he just i think he him and maybe dave also was our man of the match for this game uh if you don't want to count for the super subs but um yeah what were you guys' general thoughts on the match andreas i'll start off with you man i don't think i think this has been like the most celebrated champions league wing for me in a while since probably that atletico madrid 2-1 where mishi also scored the winner it was just one of those games where, you know, you really don't know who should win. You're kind of scared, honestly, because Ajax was in phenomenal form. Like, you know your team can do it, but you're facing pretty good opposition. And it was one of those where you put your hard hat, you do your work, and, you know, it'll pay off if you stick to what you wanted to do. And I don't think I ever doubted that we would score in that match, even as – tight and kind of just hard fought as it was i don't think i ever lost hope that that chelsea side was going to score on ix and it's such a cool feeling to say that for a team that you know nobody one thought could do much in the champions league and all that like the believe is there and you know we're we're a side that can can do it under the lights in the champions league night so i it was just like you know, we were talking about what the Pulisic hat-trick made us feel, but this game made me, like, proud of this team and the resilience and and proud of Lampard for seeing that something needed to change and making those subs. It, it's just pride altogether. And, yeah, for me, Aspie was the man of the match. I thought that he was extremely solid on the right. I thought he was a good leader. Uh, you know, not the most vocal guy always, but I just thought that he, he showed leadership in a tough game. Just did his job lock down that right side of our defense. So, uh, I, again, just proud of the, of the team and how they handled a, a game away at the Johan Cruyff arena. 
Yeah, you know, it, the first 10 minutes were pretty hectic. Like, it didn't seem like anybody really got a foothold on the game. But going back to what you said, Andres, I, I didn't doubt it that, you know, eventually we were going to get the breakthrough because we were the better team on the night. When you look at, you know, both bodies of work individually, I thought that we stuck to our task and we made life more difficult for them than they did for us. We created a lot of chances. Michi could have had a hat trick. <laughs> I mean, he had three. He had that one shot at the top of the box that he could have laid it off the Kovac, oh Kovacic. God. He would have been in. And that would have mm. made the Kova crew pretty happy. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, and then he goal. had that sitter that just fell to him and he just skied it. I mean, it was funny because our group <laughs> chat, was, I forgot who it was, but they're like, could some of you uh, technical guys tell us how that's possible <laughs> to, <laughs> to miss that bad in front of a goal? <laughs> But, you know, here's the thing. That game really gave me a new appreciation for Michi, especially when he came on. I know Pulisic's a story because, you know, he had the hat trick and he got the assist and stuff. But when you really look at Michi as a player and his whole and, and his whole career trajectory at Chelsea in general, you know, he came in. We thought he was going to be the forward of the future. Never really hit the ground running because Diego Costa was just, like, unplayable when we bought Michi. He gets important goals for us. He got the goal at the Hawthorns. You know, obviously, we won the title after that. But then he goes to Dortmund, plays pretty well for a couple games, gets hurt, then does nothing at Valencia, then comes back to Chelsea. Nobody knows really what to expect. But this guy hasn't thrown a hissy fit. He hasn't thrown, you know, his... He, he, he hasn't caused any problems because he hasn't been getting time. Like... Lampard's been very open and direct and he's even said like, you know, he needs to work on his fitness. He's not match fit yet. And he's gotten his opportunities and he's taken them by the scruff of the neck. I mean, the guy scores goals and I think his mindset has just completely changed this season. I'm seeing him work harder off the ball. Like the manager's actually demanding something out of him and Michi is actually being compliant with it. Mm. And we haven't seen that other under other managers, this whole theme of him not like not being the sharpest tool. He's really seemed to get a grip on what Frank's trying to do. And and, and I, I was thinking after the Ajax match, that could have been grounds for Frank to even say, you know what? You could take the Burnley match too. Like, like mm -hmm. you're you're in form. And didn't he also score a big goal uh, two years ago in Champions League against uh, Atletico? Yeah, yeah, against, against Atletico. Atletico. Yeah, that's yeah, another yeah. Champions League last-second goal. Like, yeah. I remember, and he I'm, scores all the time for Belgium. I can totally remember that because during that time I hated Michi. Like <laughs> this was when he was just like he he first came and he just like looked awful his first couple matches. And yeah. I was watching that game in class, <laughs> and I remembered like literally like walking outside after that and just like having to be like yes, oh my god, no way, like no, I no, I told I actually I told Zach I said if if Michi scores a game winner I'll go streaking <laughs> around my campus right now. <laughs> <laughs> right after well, he got right subbed when on. he came on yeah that was he right when he on. came on <laughs> i one swear to god Michi i didn't follow through it. unfortunately <laughs> i really wish i saved it one, one thing i really do appreciate about him is that you know a lot of players you you know we talked about under sorry the subs weren't given time to to make their impact like oh you you can't really expect a sub to do much in 10 minutes like that is not the case with mishi like he right. comes on and you think that he's been on the pitch for 90 minutes and he knows yeah. how to beat the defense like the guy comes in like hits the ground running yeah that he doesn't is... really have to like get himself into the game like he's he, he seems to be like in pretty good rhythm like when he comes on almost right. built for it's, the wolf it's huge and I, it's crazy because it makes me think oh well i i don't want to if it ain't broke don't fix it like keep playing him 
those 30 minute cameos, if he's going to keep scoring in that mm. way, like if Tammy's not firing, I, I just, to be completely honest, can't remember a match where Mishi started and it was a complete performance. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Besides like one of the Carabao matches. Not I mean, not even. I, I, yeah. I don't know if I can count those. I think the one I think of was, I believe was under Conte's second season. We played Brighton or something and him, Hazard and William oh, had like that a really goal. good match and they had that pretty goal. But even then I probably can find things to, to judge about his and criticize about that match. So it'll be interesting. I think he does have, you know, a grounds to deserve a start here. Maybe he'll start against United this week. We'll, we'll talk about that later, but you know, it'll be interesting because again, I don't think I've seen him put in a full 90, but I feel so comfortable with him coming off the bench and, and giving me a good 15, 20, 30 minutes. It's crazy. It's kind of it's kind of a basketball thing. So like maybe, you know, wh- whoever's a basketball style. fan. But yeah, like some there are certain players when you give them a lot of touches, their efficiency just goes out the window. But then there are certain players where when you limit those touches, their efficiency is is incredible. Like, you know, it, like, Michi's the same way. I, I feel like if you play him and if you start him and play him the first hour, you know, hour, you know, 70, 60 to 75 minutes, you're really not going to get much out of him. You might get a chance here and there. But I think when he comes on with only 15 or 20 minutes and he he knows that that's all the time he has, he gives it that maximum effort. And when he does that, like he, he just understands that, you know, when the team – his only job is to score. It's it's a very simple role, and maybe that's why it's working. Maybe because it's just it's very simple. Every time Frank has brought him on, it's like we need a goal. Tammy's tired, you know. Like here's your mm-hmm. chance. And also, like I mean, I think I never I never really thought about it this way, Zach. But I think you make a good point. Like you know, when you're when you're playing straight off the jump, you know, the first minute, and you know, you make a couple mistakes, it gets in your head, and you yeah. know, it's, it's kind of hard to play. Exactly, it's hard to play. Yeah, you compensate. You you know, change things up. Uh, you know, it's hard to play a full, you know, 80 minutes, whatever, 90 minutes, however long he until he gets subbed out. But if he comes in with 15 minutes, he knows, you know, he's coming in it with a blank slate and he knows, okay. like you said, like, I got to go all out for this 15 minutes. So maybe that is his role. And I think that I'm perfectly fine with that because I don't think Tammy's right? going to be losing. He's I don't think Tammy's going to be losing. In the league. Yeah, I don't How think many Tammy's other losing teams a starting have a spot. Like so, this, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm I fine mean, Liverpool that. doesn't even have a backup nine that good. Mm-hmm. City City might be the only team that has another nine that good. Maybe, you know, I, I, who else? Who if, he's else a, another... if he's willing to accept this role because he's a little older now, right? He's like, what, 26, 27 years old? No, I don't even think so. I think he's still like 25, really? isn't he? 25, 26, whatever. It's, it's close, but... My yeah. point is, like, he's not this young up. prospect like how we have with all these other players that we're dealing with right now. He's, I think he's a little yeah, bit... Yeah, he's 26. Yeah, he's a little bit, like, what you see Mishi is kind of like what he's going to end up being for the rest of his career, I think. He has the Ross Barkley the... syndrome. <laughs> no, don't don't, don't oh, disrespect don't him like that, that okay? <laughs> In Come on, the that's, same that's, sense that's... as, like, what you see is what you're going to get. He's not going to, like, he is who he is. He's yeah, 26. I mean, that's just the difference between, yeah, a, a young 18-year-old guy and someone in their mid-20s. Like, yeah. you know, really, that's the kind of player he's going to be for the rest of his career, you yeah. know? Uh, so, and I'm fine with that, too. Uh, I mean, but this match was just... Honestly, like it was a, it was a re- there's a reason why it was nil nil. <laughs> I 
until the 86th minute. Zach, what, didn't you predict this match was going to be three to four or something like that? Like yeah, I thought, I honestly gonna, thought it was going to be a goal fest. We were way off. I, mean, I think we, we all, did. yeah, I no, we two, all, two. yeah. I, I just agreed with you. <laughs> but I would have banked. I was ready. I, like I banked on the fact that it was going to be a goal fest. I didn't think there was any way that it was going <laughs> to yeah. be like that. We were hitting like, the you over, know, huh? sheet against Ajax. Oh, I don't think any of us saw that coming. When yeah. people go, when you ask people that aren't soccer fans, and they go, "Oh, I don't know why you like watching soccer," you you'll sit there for an hour and a half and watch one goal. It's like I'll, I'll show them a match like this and be like, "Are you not entertained?" Yeah. <laughs> They'll probably they probably still won't be. I I I, <laughs> I I never got that. Like my whole life, there I were just there never was a whole compilation on YouTube that. of the hard tackles in this match. Like it was physical, Dude. it was tactical, it was high octane. Like, just it, it was everything you want in a soccer match. The only thing it was missing was more goals. One thing that I also wanted to point out that worked to our advantage for once in who knows how long, the post and VAR were our friend. Wow. Yeah, right? Yeah. For the for once in our life, that's crazy. That's I love that. <laughs> I, 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 remember, I remember thinking that during the match, and I totally forgot about that. Uh, that they had a goal taken away. Um, and they hit the post at like a crucial <laughs> moment too. So Hey, yeah. Like I said, you hate it when it's against you. You love it when it's for <laughs> you. So you know what? Thank you, VAR. You are the MVP. So uh, yeah, let's get into the Burnley match. I think that's all that needs to be said for the Ajax match. Um, a couple more weeks until our next Champions League game. So uh this Burnley match, though, was just something else, man. Final score, 4-2, which is kind of disappointing. I really want to keep a clean sheet and, keep, you know, maybe catch up to Leicester City after that brutal 10-0 oh beatdown. But I think after that, it's just, you know, it's going to be hard to catch up to that. But um, how how do you lose 9-0? Nine nine was man. it 9 or 10? Yeah, it was 9. It was nine. The, the was... internet was hoping for 10. That was the big thing. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, anywhere yeah. you went online, they're like, give us 10. <laughs> it been. I mean, but, yeah. Poor, Zach, have you ever seen a person in a Southampton jersey besides that day? Because <laughs> that's so funny. Like, I got to post it on Twitter, man. Yeah. So so I'm driving home from work. And, All that uh, day. On that day, it's the same day that Southampton lost, and I'm driving home from work. I usually pass right by a college campus that's by my house. It's where me and Sam went to school, and uh, and there's a bus stop there right at that stoplight. At the stoplight, there's a guy sitting there in a Southampton home kit. Dude, the picture you took, and he, he looks so looks, sad. He looks <laughs> so depressed. He's hunched over. He has his hoodie on. Like He's like, he just, he hated his life. You will never, ever see someone in Los Angeles wearing a Southampton jersey. <laughs> and the fact that the day you saw it was the day he lost, they lost 09 is just, is really. I, I think that was it. like the second or third time I've ever seen a Southampton jersey in my life. <laughs> in person. Yeah. In person. Well. well and it was also the so it was a Friday match, and literally before the match, I saw Skaka put something like Leicester City has never won a Premier League match on a Friday, and then they go out and do that. <laughs> they scored nine. That's a good Dude, first time. You, did you do you do you know the funny thing? Do you know Southampton's next two matches? Hmm. Man, Man City away in the no. cup, and then Man City away in the league. Oh no! Hazen <laughs> Hotel, start packing your bags. Oh. Start finding a new home. They're at negative sixteen goal differential right now. Just imagine after Man City, uh, whichever Man City match, they put eight past Watford. Just <laughs> to 
Put that in the Virgil they Van Dyke be... was on that team two years ago. <laughs> God. <laughs> you know, they don't have bad players. Like, Ryan Bertrand got a red card. He got sent off. And he's yeah, like, like in the, the they probably minute. went back to the locker room after the match. And Ryan Bertrand was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> because nine? Me? Really? <laughs> Dude, that's just the fact that there's two mm. hat tricks. Like, the fact that the rest are like, I don't know who to give the game ball to. It's just. It's just crazy. Of course, Jose Perez is going to celebrate all three of his goals, too. Because like, he won't just score like, for, any, like a for match like five win. more months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll be quiet until March, and then he'll score like nine goals in 11 matches, and then he'll end the season like that. Hey, those three count. But, those three goals count, though. Back to Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, going to anyway. say, yeah. Let's let me go through the starting lineup. So we saw the 4-2-3-1. So Kepa... In goal again, uh, Dave Zuma, Tomori, and Marcos Alonso manning the back line. Uh, so I'm really, I'm really liking that Zuma Tomori pairing. Uh, by the way, more and more, baby. And then um, Jorginho and Kova with the and the double double pivot role in the midfield, which yeah. was, I mean, we'll get into that after we talk about Pulisic, obviously. Uh, front three of Pulisic, Mount, and William, or Run th- mid mid two or mid three whatever, and then a uh, Tammy up front, a striker. So, I mean, there's no other place where we can start. Pulisic, a hat trick after 56 minutes. Um, the first two were great. The third one was just magical. <laughs> I mean, it was like oh, it was just like God. after that Is it was real meant to be. I cannot believe it. And honestly, like at first I was like, wow, that was a lucky goal. And then I realized, like I watch it again, and it's like. Okay, he actually like directed the ball perfectly into the back of the goal with it like bounced backwards... off his like it bounced off his ear. Yeah, like, it was crazy. So big, big shout out to our boy because I mean, going just like in the context of the season, what it's been like for the past couple of weeks. I mean, obviously, you know, all throughout last season, you know, since we got him in the middle of the season, the build up to him coming finally to Chelsea this year and then us not being able to even see him play and the frustration that we've had with Frank and finally he gets his chance and he scores a, a goddamn you know, hat you know trick Come you know on. what some I don't think I don't think that's fair what? I don't think we've I don't think we've been as frustrated as you're like making it out to be I, I, there is definitely a time Cho, where Cho we were William all been worried really dude no i was i was worried i know I andreas know, was worried for a little bit i yeah. know for a fact it's because we're in a seven game winning streak that we yeah. forget that we started the season going like shit why is this guy not playing yeah. when we're not getting results and when he's been on the pitch he hasn't been bad like there was a time oh. when we literally thought that Pedro was still going to be third choice of holistic. <laughs> Good God. And he was well, heading you know, that way. You know, Frank Frank even said after the match, I thought it was interesting. And he Sorry, said, you know. Sorry, fourth choice. Mount was third. Mount was yeah. third. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Mount, yeah, Mount was. But, like, you know, I, I, Frank even said after the match, like, you know, when P- Pulisic had the gold cup over the summer. And Frank even asked him twice about, you know, do you want another week? Like, you could take two weeks and – Pulisic said, no, I, w- I want to come after one week. So he cut his own break short. Lampard mentioned it after the match. And like, that was a big reason why he kind of pulled Pulisic out. He kind of like, he didn't say it directly, but I think he was kind of forced to play Pulisic because Willian wasn't healthy yet. And, you know, it, I don't think he necessarily had Pedro in his long-term plan. So like, why give him that time when I could give it to somebody young like Pulisic, especially with Cho out as well. Like, I, I think he had to play him out of necessity. So then he, 
pulls him out of the firing line because he didn't have the greatest start ever. He wasn't terrible. I think people, I think people, people made it a lot worse than it was. I don't think he was that bad to start the season. He just didn't set the world alight. He just needed time. And I think that's where our frustration was, the fact that like he wasn't given this platform to start building some momentum. But apparently all he needs is a run of three games and he's already, you know, game winning assists and a hat perfect hat trick. It two, was two game winning assists. Two game winning assists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came on against Newcastle in the number ten position too. Mm-hmm. And he lit it up. I mean, he is Well, I guess that's a, <sighs> was it a game winning assist? That's an assist to the kind assist, of. but yeah. But he yeah. was the difference maker. Big is chance the point created I was to make. if yeah. you want to be like a stat hipster. <laughs> but like it's 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 incredible to watch. You know, every year in FIFA, I buy Pulisic on Chelsea because that was like my dream transfer. Well, I want an American on Chelsea, and this kid's the real deal. And this year, it finally happened. And, you know, it, it was just the perfect way to introduce himself. And the thing I loved the most, he did it against a team like Burnley. Like, he could do it on a miserable fucking day in at Turf Moor against against Burnley of all teams. He could do it against Burnley. He could he could pretty mm. much do it against most Premier League sides. I mean it's 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 fair to admit that. Like Burnley is one of the most annoying teams to play against. And he made them look all he, he made them all look like fools. Uh, dude complete uh, uh, perfect hat trick man. It's yeah. just <laughs> nuts. I know. I mean what the first two were defensive errors, right? Like it, bad passes. Was it defensive errors or did I we know, force I don't think it was. Players. I mean, they both. He lost I mean, the ball and he won it back. Both, yeah, but both times directly came from a pass from a from a center back. So I mean, I think well, obviously Holistic we were is forcing. Out doing Mason Mount is what I'm hearing. He's he's pulling a Mason Mount, stealing right. the ball from pressure, yeah. hey, scoring. If that's if that's the only way we can score, I'm totally fine with that. If it, and I mean, especially if it ends up with a hat trick. I, I think that falls into the it. tactic that we're going for, though, yeah. isn't it? Like. It's exactly what Lampard wants. He wants us to force a mistake and for those four guys in a 4-2-3-1, like the front four, to just wreak havoc from there. And, you know, I, I keep hearing from that first goal with Pulisic how it was very Hazard-esque. But really, when I watched that, it reminded me, like, to go back to Mourinho's second stint, his second season, that when we won the league again, with when we had, uh, you know, Fabregas, Costa, and uh, Felipe Luis all came in. It reminded me of that 6-3 game against Everton where Costa did the scissors to his left oh, foot and scored the meg. Yeah. That's exactly what happened here. He didn't meg the keeper, but he meg the defender on his way mm. on the ball's path to goal. And it just literally gave me like deja vu. That goal was fantastic. Right when you think he messed it up, he just pull, like just pulls the shot with his left foot and just He knows oh. exactly where it was. Oh yeah. He's like, all I gotta do is put the ball in this area and it's probably gonna go on the back of the net. But that you know, was, I think that was my favorite of the three. I I think it was mine as well. But it's it's just interesting to watch how how what his mindset was going into that game. He didn't only just score a hat trick. He created the most chances. He had the most shots. He literally took the game by the scruff of the neck. It was ninety minutes, and you know, take this with a grain of salt. It was ninety minutes of why we miss Hazard. You know, that that direct, you know, I'm 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 gonna pick up the ball, I'm gonna turn it, I'm just gonna run at you, and then we'll see what happens. And that's what he did every single time he got the ball. He'd spin his man face up and just run right at you. And he wasn't hesitating on any of his shots. He was he was being persistent. He was just a pain in the ass to play against. 
And the role honestly suited him perfectly because if you watch the U.S. national team, he has to do that in order for us to succeed. He has to be that catalyst, and he has to be the most aggressive attacking player on our team for the United States. And that's why he's our best player. That role suits him. So when Frank deploys him off to the left and says, go out there, grab the game by the scruff of the neck, he, he does it. No problem. He's in his comfort zone. It's something that he's used to doing. And, you know, we forget how young he is, but he has a lot of international experience as well. And I think that was one of those situations where it sort of paid off because he he's asked to, to he's asked to perform a similar role for the United States national team as he did against Burnley. Also, another thing, uh, he had two very similar chances from the of those first two goals in the yeah. in the past two games, and he missed them both. So, yeah. um I think it's, that's really good for him to bounce back. And like, I think that speaks a lot about his character. Like, you know, obviously he did, he did have some, you know, the assist and then the chance created in those two matches, but he could have had two more goals also. And both those chances, he missed sitters. Um, well, I want to know, I want to know what Andres thinks because Andres, I mean, you, you follow the national team just as closely as I do. And, you know, Pulisic got taken out in the Canada match and he was obviously emotional and, yeah. you know, don't ask me why the fuck he even came out of the match in the first place. Don't get me started. But, you know, we see the roller coaster of emotions he had. He was at Dortmund. You know, he was their budding prospect. Then Jaden Sancho came in and basically reserved him to a bench role. He hardly got a look in right. towards the end of last season. You know, comes to Chelsea, big money move, doesn't necessarily hit the ground running, gets frozen out again. Then that whole thing with the national team. I mean, are you surprised that he comes out of this or is, you know, is this, what, what, what are your thoughts on his mindset? You know, I, I mean, because I mean, that's what's most impressive. Definitely. I, I think that I did not, I would not expect a player to do something like that. And I think because of recent memory, when you have someone like Murata who just can't get out of a bad groove, it makes you, it made me think like, Oh man, like he's, he might be, you know, in his head for a while. So in honesty, Everything I've read on Pulisic says that he's got a great head on his shoulders and, you know, that he doesn't get rattled by much. And on top of that, this whole time Lampard has kept his message consistent in terms of Pulisic. So while we have been frustrated and critical about how he's been deployed, there might have been a plan all along. Yeah. And now Frank looks like a genius, obviously, because right when he starts <laughs> deploying Pulisic, he's been arguably a man of the match contender for three, four matches on the bounce. Yeah. And, and now he, you know, he may start again tomorrow or, or even this next weekend. And the guy is now making Burhalter look like a total moron. Not that he needs help making Burhalter look stupid, but yeah, I props to Pulisic for having a strong head and, and just kind of putting his head down and just getting to work because we talked about uh, about Mishi and how he has to make an instant impact. When you're playing a little bit deeper in, in that central attacking mid or the winger spot, you have to make things happen. And dribbling and beating defenders... You'll make the whole takes, attack look bad. Yeah, it, it usually takes a while to, to find that groove and see how you can beat these defenders. And, and Pulisic wasn't given that leisure at first. Like This was the first match, again, that he got to start in the Premier League compared to the other ones. So he's had to earn his stripes kind of the hard way instead of getting a full 90 to, to grow into a match. So yeah, I, I'm extremely happy for the kid. I think that, you know, 
this is only going to help him in this club and, and the club overall and even hopefully the the, the men's national team because they need the help but yeah it was it was a good it was a good moment for him individually and I mean, you could just see it in a celebration, yeah. right? Like his first, first goal one. was all emotion. Yeah. And then after that, it was just seeing the team rally around him. You know, we we saw that picture at the beginning of the year where we're like, wow, all the academy guys are bunched up in a little group in the little clique and, and Felicic is like 10 yards behind them. That's not the case. Like everyone, I think Tomori is, is probably his closest friend. Yeah. Everyone just stormed him. They were like all screaming at the crowd. There's a video... I think it was George Benson had posted it where, where Mount is like hugging the group from behind and he's just looking at the crowd. Like people don't care. It's awesome to see a team just be a team. Like they don't care who's the one putting the ball in the back of the net as long I as think, they're working together. I think the surreal thing was, I forget which goal it was, but there was a close up and Aspie had Pulisic and basically a headlock and he was in an Aspie and William sandwich. And it was, oh, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. so nice to see like, you know, you're thinking about it like, wow, like he, he opened up his Chelsea account. Like he's one of us now. Like, right. Well, mm-hmm. One other thing. So earlier this year, I've been saying that I needed to make a trip to the River Jordan because that has changed William's life. I think I also need to get a haircut from that A-star barber guy. Because <laughs> Lizzie gets his haircut from this guy, comes in, gets his first start and gets a hat trick. So the River Jordan and A-Star Barbers, you guys are definitely my bucket list. <laughs> Did that Those guy get famous? Two. I think he started cutting like Lewis Baker's hair at first and then Loftus-Cheek. And, like, Loftus-Cheek. Yeah, I think yeah. he got his name up. in like through the Chelsea Academy, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's one of us as well. <laughs> you know, like – One of our own. One of our own. No, like it, it, it was just – it was one of those games that's going to be in my memory for a very, very long time. You know, it, it's – it's it, it it was special. It's a relic. It's a piece of history. You know, when, when you really think about it in hindsight, he's the youngest ever player to score for Chelsea. A hat trick. Yeah. Hat-trick, and yeah. A, a hat trick. A perfect hat trick at that. And he beats Tammy Abraham, who just broke the record like a few weeks ago. <laughs> Beat him by it's, 42 it's, days. And, and, and <laughs> you know, the nice thing is you look around the squad, right? And there's more hat tricks to be had, right? When Loftus Sheet comes back, if he could come Hudson back in Adoy. good form, he'll probably be on a hat trick. Hudson Adoy, you know, I'm sure Willian will have his will, will have his game. He usually has one game a year where he where he bags a double and is on a hat trick. I'm sure Batshuayi could get something. You know, there's there's goals all over the pitch, and it, it's it's exciting. Mason Mount, we didn't he hasn't even gotten a hat trick yet. He'll get one for sure eventually. You know, it's it's. The it's world's so ugliest ex- hat trick, but he'll get it. Yeah, yeah, he'll still get it. This is this is the thing. It's has there ever been a better time to be a Chelsea fan? I heard Jace. I heard I, there was this clip of Jason Cundy going at it with a Tottenham fan, and Jason Cundy's like, "No, literally, the only thing, the only point I'm trying to prove is that if you're a Chelsea fan right now, you wouldn't want to be a fan of any other team. Just looking at your youth setup and looking at the future ahead." Like there is no other club in England that has a brighter future than Chelsea as of right now. That's a fact. That's so funny. I was literally thinking the exact opposite, like the, the reverse. Like everyone in America who was a fan of other teams was watching that game, being like, "Damn, I wish I was a Chelsea fan." Like yeah, that's what that guy. Oh, that's actually what he said that. on the radio show. He said that every other team outside of City and Liverpool wishes they were Chelsea. Yeah. And the other guy was both. arguing like, "Why would Tottenham want to do that?" Well, reality <laughs> check: Tottenham's in tenth place. Yeah, so, exactly. 
Yeah. Man United fans, I think they would be pretty happy being a Chelsea fans right now. And I'm talking, I'm talking just like the American fans that we, we kind of get to choose. You know, we're not, <laughs> we're not born into it. Uh, you know what else I noticed? There was a picture of this, uh, of you know, I, I think I sent it in the group chat today. It was like the Chelsea youth, and uh, it was way, way back. I don't even know what age group they were in. I had no idea that Eddie and Keita and Rian Brewster were Chelsea youth products. Oh yeah, Brewster. Brewster was like the he he pulled the same thing as Solanke, like left because he thought that he could you know get better playing time elsewhere and. I mean, yeah. he's got a Champions League medal, but really I mean, working out. <laughs> I don't know how much else he's been doing, but mm-hmm. yeah, that that picture was Reese James. He posted like, yeah. "Can you name the squad?" And it's like, oh my crazy. god, crazy, crazy. So Even Gallagher is part of that team. Yeah, but yeah, the it's yeah, it's a great time to be at Chelsea. And as the leader of the hashtag Kova Crew, I want to to move on it from our. Pulisic had for yes. discussion and talk about the man himself, Kovacic, as well as Jorginho, because those two in midfield right now, both of the matches, I would argue that in Ajax yeah. and even more so here in Burnley, have been so crucial to what we've been doing. I mean, the the highlight tape of, of Kovacic in this match with all the turns and the dribbling is just, oh my God, it makes my mouth water to see this guy just... Yeah. How, hold on to possession the way how can does. any team press us like he's press with, resistant with those two guys i mean these are probably two of the most press resistant players in the premier league if not in the world honestly i mean yeah like because i'm not, I'm not gonna yeah. go over i'm not gonna go over the top with my you know predictions here but like really like Jorginho, i think is is you know easier to argue but kovacic has been unbelievable he's been really i mean you can't you can't look at his stats and see what he does like you said andres you have to watch the highlight tape like you have to see everything he does bringing the ball up the pitch like allowing us to like just so calm and collected like there hasn't there was never a time where i panicked like when he had the ball you know he he he's one of those players that has this incredible natural spatial awareness yeah and very and he just knows calm. exactly where he is on the pitch he knows exactly when to spin where to spin what space to spin into i mean and, and that's the thing you look at kovacic most of the passes he plays are short passes so like he's a very high tempo he, he plays very quickly right all one two touch passing mm-hmm. spin his man release the ball break through the lines i mean I, we spent all this time trying to figure out who Pulisic is or Pulisic, who Kovacic is. While I was rewatching this match, it dawned on me. He's actually the glue of our team. You know, like we we're really missing something when a player like him isn't on the pitch. He, he gives you a little bit of everything. He is literally Jurgen Klopp's dream. I think the one thing <laughs> that he's missing from his game, and this is the only kind of like thing that I've noticed about him is I think yeah. he needs to work on his his timing when making those through balls like you know f- to set up yeah. like a striker or something yeah. like that because yeah, yeah. I think like you said like the short passes he's got that under control but and I don't and I don't think his passing ability needs work I think it's 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 his timing really you know like yeah. just the final the, ball exactly right. so I think once he gets those that worked out like oh man like especially when I think we get RLC back like I mean, another press-resistant player. Like, how is 
how is anybody going to press... too, like, no, oh, like, like, this midfield is, is unreal. And I, I keep saying that we have to play three in the middle because of, of the midfield we do have. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we talk about Kovacic doing it with his dribbling. Then you partner that with Jorginho, who can read a defense better than freaking Peyton Manning. And the guy knows three passing options without lifting his head. And the ball is gone from his foot before the defender can get close to him. Like, it is awesome to, to watch. You know, you have the guy that will, dr- like, drive the ball through the defense, dribbling like Kovacic. And then you have the other guy who's, you know, Jorginho, who will get rid of the ball so quick that then the next guy that gets the ball has, like, five open passes because Jorginho's one pass took two guys out of the play. Mm-hmm. And on yeah. top of that, like you said, you have Loftus-Cheek, who can also do a little bit of both, and Conte, who covers the space of three men when he doesn't have the ball, and he can keep the ball stuck to his foot when he's on possession too. So, yeah, it's it's awesome. I think I think I said this maybe three or four podcasts into the season, but I said I can't imagine a Frank Lampard midfield without Kovacic. I think I think he's so so important for what we're trying to do as a team. He kind of embodies that. He's exactly what Frank wants in a midfield type player, a player that can press high up the pitch, specializes in counter pressing specifically. When he has the ball, he could spin his man. He could find those pockets. He's incredibly gifted in tight spaces, and he gives you this energy and defensive enthusiasm. He wants to defend, and he gets down and dirty, man. I mean, he goes into his tackles slide tackling hard. Is fantastic it's, too. It's, it's, yeah, he's very good at timing his tackles, and I, I kind of don't know what his natural position is. I think he is a box-to-box mid, in, in you know the purest form, minus the goals and assists. And I think that's one thing that if he adds that to his game, there'd be no doubt in my mind that he would be a world-class player because he's very similar to Willian in that sense. That's the only thing that was ever holding Willian back. We knew technically he's gifted. We knew he's a brilliant footballer. And he has the athleticism to be an elite athlete, which he does. But he always lacked those goals and assists that kind of held him back. And I think Kovacic is the same. I, I think I think they're in the same caliber of player. They're the same type of player in that sense. And I know that because I know I, I throw the hashtag coach Kovaku and all that. But, you know, before I even got to, to my fanboy status, I always talked about how, you know, when you have uh, this kind of profile player in midfield, I compared it to your Modric at Madrid or even like your to to an ex, to an extreme. You have your Xavi and Iniesta's, but we never doubted their their world class potential and ability but those guys don't they're not record breakers in terms of numbers like that's yeah. not what they do for the team. I mean, John Terry had more career goals than both of those midfielders combined for Barcelona. So the point I'm trying to make is when you have the targets up front when like we do now with your Tammy, Mount, Abraham, even William bagging in goals, it doesn't have to be the midfielder that does it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to be the guy that bags 10 goals from midfield to be a good midfielder and being a player that does can't be subbed out. I mean, we talk about how Alonzo can't be taken out of the side based on form or even Tomori because these guys are just playing out of this world. Same can be said for Kovacic. Mm-hmm. ROC could be healthy tomorrow, but he he's going to have to earn his spot. And it kills me because these are my two favorite players, and all I wish I could see is both of them on the pitch together. But – the way we play and the way we set up, it most likely is going to be one for the other. Uh, but yeah, at this point, you 
you can't bench either of these two guys in the in in the midfield, whether it's in the four two three one or the four three three. It they're making it work. I and, think I think yeah, they complement each other perfectly, like in, in the sense that. Jorginho attracts defenders because you have to stick a man on him. Otherwise, he's going to find the perfect ball. And Jorginho's and, – and Kovacic is the same way because if you don't pick him up, he's just going to run at you. He's not afraid to carry the ball and, and break the lines. And and that those two playing styles, they mesh really well together. And they complement each other really well in a double pivot. I, I'm not a. I'm not saying I'm a bigger fan of the four-two-three-one than I am of the four-three-three. But if Kovacic and Jorginho are going to be playing the double pivot, we can we can play the four-two-three-one against virtually anybody because we have that safety blanket of knowing that we could play through anybody's midfield with those two guys. And I think it has to do. I think like we're we're never if we keep all of these guys, we're never going to be set as playing as a team that plays four two three one or four three three. It's going to depend. It's always going to be shifting. Exactly, because I'm like I'm literally writing it down right now. I'm like trying to see like how can we fit all these players onto the pitch at the same <laughs> it's time? Impossible. It's the FIFA conundrum. Exactly. I mean, so like let's 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 look at it a year from now. Okay, so ideal four two three one. Okay, so we'd have the double pivot as Jorginho Kovacic and then on the left side either Pulisic or Mason Mount and on the right side Cho and then strikers Tammy who's playing the 10 role yeah I mean you I think that's either Mason Mount or Pulisic you even had Kovacic ahead of Conte wow well, I'm talking about just that double pivot role. I mean, we can even play Conte at the 10. I mean, I, I, we have the best box to box midfielder in world football who's not even getting a look in. You know what's he, really he, sad? Like he's not even healthy. Last you know, week Frank, when we had a we had a listener ask, is it time to sell Conte? Like it's starting it's starting to make a little bit more sense. No, like No, look. Frank Frank <laughs> no. even said Frank even said, you know, Conte's played a lot of games the last couple seasons and there's no need to rush him back because the team's in great form and he's happy with what the way the squad is right now. Yeah. And I mean, what is that telling you? Get well soon and go low. Like take Conte your time, go to a for sure. when we're in yeah. the round of 16 in the Champions League. Just we... give him the rest of the year off. I don't, you know, and and bring him back in the knockout stages exactly. Give him give him give him let him go through the holidays. Mm-hmm. Right. Come back again, in January. This is, the problem, this is the problem that I wanted to have. You know, we talked yeah. about, you know, we had a different kind of question where it was like whether you keep going with to the academy or you buy world-class players. It's like having competition isn't a bad thing. And maybe for the first three, four weeks of the season, it's an issue because you want to see your favorite players play and you're only playing once a week. We are right now after getting those annoying international breaks out of the way for the most part. I think we have one more soon. We're playing two games a week for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. Like the rest of 2019 is going to be two matches a week. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be the same way starting 2020 if we make an FA Cup run too. So you need this depth if you want to be competing with your Man Cities and Liverpools in multiple uh, levels, whether it's uh, League and Champions League or League and, and Carabao and League and FA. Like, you need this mm-hmm. and we are in a very good spot to be there once we're all healthy it's it's not a bad thing and all these guys will get enough playing time to where they're going to be they should be at least content with with how much they're playing because they're going to be to- tallying up at least 30 matches a season yeah i think my point wasn't <laughs> actually to sell the conte but going more back to like the shifting uh 
formation. Like I, I don't see Angolo Conte playing like being as effective in a four, two, three, one rather than in a four, three, three. Um, and then when he is playing, we'll, we'll probably be playing in a four, three, three and the games that he sits and we have Jorginho and Kovacic in there. Those two will play the double pivot role and we'll probably field the four, two, three, one. Um, but I mean, like, like, like I, we talked about this last week. I, I kind of came to the realization, like that's, that's such a great problem to have. And, but realistically, like, out of those five midfielders, okay, Jorginho, Kovacic, RLC, Mason Mount, uh, and N'Golo Conte, out of those five, like, I, I, it's very possible that a year from now, one of them, if not all of them, are complaining about how much run they get. So, like, hypothetically, which one of those four are you, like, most okay with letting go of? Oh, God. <laughs> hypothetically. <laughs> Well, I'll throw you a different hypothetical. Ross I think Barkley, that, that's my <laughs> yeah, Ross Barkley, not <laughs> So here, here's my my hypothetical. It's that Mount will get minutes in the wing, and Pedro is right. going to be the guy that just doesn't see the field. Right. Yeah. Mount. Yeah. Mount. He doesn't. He doesn't need to play in the midfield in order to get playing time. You're right. Exactly. He's, he, exactly. he's able to shift with uh, rotate with Pulisic, or I mean, has he played on the right side yet? Do we know if he can play on the right side? I don't know. He did. He did. He has uh, against Liverpool in the Super Cup when we first started the season. Pulisic mm-hmm. was on the left and Mount was on the right. right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I That's I think all... that I think that the reality is that when our full team is healthy and everything, I I can see Lampard putting Mount mm-hmm. in for where Pedro would be. And yes, he's going to be lined up as a winger, but he's probably going to be more of like a supporting striker inside forward. That's just taking up a more central space. And yeah. maybe you have more of a marauding right back, like Reese James taking up that wide space. So yeah, I, and Jaden Sancho too. Well, <laughs> let's see. I, I know that you guys are talking about that earlier this week in the group chat, but yeah, I mean, right now it's, it, it is crazy. It's crazy. We have the, we have the issue now at center back. We have the issue. And this is a good issue again at center back at center mid the winger position right now, like strikers, the only position that's pretty much, Set in stone yeah. and Tammy, right? And again, who knows? Maybe Mishi continues his run of form, and now mm. we're talking Tammy versus Mishi. But so far, the fact that there are all these competitions across the board, but the general outlook of the locker room is positive, still goes, you know, just again, it keeps the the good vibes going, right? Nobody is is saying, oh, we have a a locker room issue because so-and-so wants to play. No, on the contrary, Tammy is the first guy to celebrate when Mishi Mm -hmm. scores. Or, you know, uh, Mason Mount is celebrating that Pulisic scored. A lot of this comes down – is going to have to come down to how Frank manages them, you know, like manages their emotions. And I think that's like his next really big hurdle, keeping all their egos in check. You know, he's he's obviously got the tactics down, but – um, keeping them together as a unit so far he's he's been doing a brilliant job and i think that like that's something that needs to be like mentioned more that i think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know he's just so charismatic and you know he really brings back the spirit of what it is to be a chelsea great how to you know to love the club you know and to be you know it's more about the the squad rather than individual performance like and i think he really brings that out of everyone um so we got some Twitter questions uh, that are also about this match and then also kind of transition us into 
the match previews uh, against Man United and Watford this week. So um, we got a question from Ron. I don't. Can you guys help me decipher this question? He says <laughs> James is gonna take it, take one in the face for us one day, isn't he? Uh, you, you guys know what that means, or? Well, um, he there was that one play where Reese James like put his body on the oh, line like yeah, five and he or blocked six like f- Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When ju- right when he came on, right. Uh, if if yes. Caballero gets hurt, put Reese James in goal. <laughs> He'll block anything, definitely. Uh, and then he also brings up a good point. He says, even though there's all this positivity, I mentioned that this is Ron, right? Okay, cool. Um, And even though (laughs) there's all this positivity, I did notice tired legs at the end of the match on Saturday, which has me a bit worried if some of these injured players don't come back soon. Should they have rested Cho on Saturday and given Pedro some minutes? I mean, this is something that we actually talked about like immediately when we saw Cho come on. It was in the 75th minute or something like that. Yeah. I just I I couldn't believe it. Um especially with, you know, I mean Man United has been shit lately, but again, it's I mean it's not it's not going to be an easy match walking in and, you know, in a domestic cup uh Carabao Cup match. So like definitely like since he said, you know, I wanted him sitting out so we could play the full 90 minutes uh tomorrow. Uh but I mean I, I don't know. What what do, what do you guys think? Like do you think that Andreas, you mentioned this earlier, the fact that we're going to be having two games a week, almost every week. Um, But we do have this also this great problem of having too many good players and being able to rotate them out. Do you think that are you you worried about this, uh, about these tired legs for, I guess, this upcoming match against Man United? Well, it depends as to who's back from injury, right? So. I, I talk about all these options, but right now, as in like today, you know, we can't rotate or we haven't been able to rotate our center backs because they haven't been healthy. We haven't been able to rotate Aspie or Alonzo because their backups slash competitors haven't been healthy. It's you can definitely see the tired legs right now because unfortunately Frank hasn't had his full deck of cards, I guess that you could say to, to play. So I think right now it's a bit of an issue, but if we can get these injuries sorted, then at that point I'd be like, oh, you know, slide in Alonzo or Emerson instead of Alonzo or put in Loftus-Cheek instead of Kovacic. We just can't do that right now. And so, yeah, I definitely blame a little bit of fatigue on for those two goals late in the game. And, you know, it was probably unnecessary to bring Cho on specifically with Man United this week. But I think we'll still see a pretty rotated side. Uh, midweek it's just not as not the rotated side we probably would all like to see and, and that's what we'll you know we'll probably get into with with the match preview shame on both of you for even thinking about criticizing frank at a time like this <laughs> <laughs> like really yeah, sure. you're really gonna talk about fatigue at this like we we've had zero squad depth on when our full squad is back, we will be able to sustain this type of energetic football for the duration of a full year. But why there does isn't he have a to doubt come, in my mind. Zach, why does he have to come in when we're up 4-0? It, it, why not? minutes. What I, do you mean Pedro why not? Pedro has no future at the club. Who cares? And Joe what? hardly You're... has any minutes under his belt. This is One, a worthless he's... game. Whatever experience that he gets from it. Is gonna is, is, this doesn't matter. He probably thought he might be able to nick a goal and make the day extra special. I mean, come on, you cool. have to you have to keep in mind that Frank's also a Chelsea fan. <laughs> He's not just yeah, a, this is the first time. 
this is the first time where we had a manager who was actually a Chelsea fan. And I'm not talking about Jose Mourinho because that was like very mm-hmm. like, you know, tongue in cheek. But he's a Chelsea fan, guys. He's like, like us, come on, we can't like us playing that. manager mode. Yeah, I, I like, get I'm that. not playing totally Pedro and FIFA. You have fucking 69 sprint speed. Yeah, well, okay. no. Time out. Don't use FIFA as an example, though, because in FIFA, yeah, emotions aren't in the picture. No, no, if we no, run no, up no. the score, If no. we run up the score on a Burnley, those guys will take out Cho's knees. Like, that yeah. is the fear I had with that substitute. Uh, you know, him coming on at 75, it's 4 0. If we make it five or six, which and obviously we did it. Look, Burnley is the team that he tore his Achilles card. against last year. He against this Burnley. This is where the yellow cards would start flying, and the guys that would get yeah. taken out first are the fancy dribblers and your offensive players who are trying to make make you bleed even more. So shame so, on you, Zach, for wanting Cho to get <laughs> hurt. Shame on not, you. Yeah, that's, we're not yeah, criticizing Lampard. Like the 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 truth is we we're short on players and fatigue is kicking in it's uh, these guys aren't robots we've said it before like they're gonna get tired and unfortunately lampard doesn't have much he can do about it It isn't criticizing of him it's just it just sucks like obviously pedro's not on the bench for this game because if we weren't up for nothing you do want to bring up cho to try to get a goal but because you're up for nothing that could have been reese james which he i know he came in later but like that could have been him getting minutes, and I don't know. You add another midfielder, and you make it a four-four-two. I don't know. The point I was trying to say is, I, I'm with Sam. You have a, a midweek game against United. It's a revenge game. On top of that, you know, you probably want to have Cho ready for a full ninety minutes. Thank so you. What Andres. are we thinking? <laughs> we're, yeah, we're saying sack. Sack Frank Lampard. Lampard yeah. out. That's what we're saying, Zach. Oh, yeah. So, oh, so, oh, so we're <laughs> Arsenal fans now. Yes. Uh, so that was it for Ron's questions. Uh, he had some other comments, but let's get into this next question from at Nick Lennartson. What's up, Nick? Uh, he He's asking about Emerson and why he hasn't been mentioned as injured nor seen. I really haven't heard much. I mean – he got he got hurt in uh it was during international break right I think yeah. it was a match while mm-hmm. he was playing for Italy and I don't know if it was during the match or during training camp I don't remember but um during the match yeah it was during the match so since then there really hasn't been much update on him realistically you know I think if if we had more trouble at the left back position it would be more <laughs> of a pressing issue when is he going to be returning but like you said uh about Conte like you know Conte can take his time. Like Emerson can take his time. Like I'm not worried yeah. about him rushing back because Marcus Alonso has been fantastic for us. Uh, and Marcus Alonso is one of those players that you could play him 12 or 13 matches in a row. Like yeah. he has this, he has incredible stamina. Definitely. So I mean, have you guys? What have you guys heard from I mean, about Emerson? Zach, I'll start um, with you or Andreas. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say that Lampard didn't. I think what Nick is aiming at is that Lampard didn't discuss Emerson as an active or inactive player due to injury in his last press conference. So maybe Emerson has been, you know, quote unquote healthy enough to practice and has just not been risked. And I think that's where we're at right now. I think Frank has learned the hard way that just because a guy's out in training doesn't mean that he's a hundred percent healthy again. And Emerson was rushed back. Conte was rushed back. Rudiger was rushed back. Now he's saying, uh, you know, again, we're in a seven game winning streak. I can probably let these guys heal a little longer for the time being because, you know, the fire alarms aren't going off. Like, things are going well. So, 
maybe that's why, you know, Lampard luckily doesn't have to be talking about Emerson because Alonzo's doing well and Emerson can just worry about his health and, and getting back to full fitness. So I don't think it's a, a player being frozen out. I think it's just a manager just making sure this guy can get back to, to full health and in contention to start again. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I, it's just a matter of match fitness. We talk about this high-intensity football that Frank plays. You know, you're, you're not going to get a month-and-a-half injury layoff and come right back into the first team two weeks later. That's just not how it works. That's not how football works. you got to get back into the swing of things. So, you know, I, I think we'll take our time with Emerson. You know, Marcus Alonso is in great form. The the whole squad's in great form. There's just there's no reason to rush anything right now. And Lampard's spot on by you know not mentioning it. You know, it's just it's it's a non-issue at this point. We we have time, and I think that's proof the fact that he hasn't addressed it directly. All right, let's get to our next question then. Uh, this one comes from at Chelsea Eric. He says, <laughs> "This is a good one. If you had to bet <laughs> your life savings on it, so if." In other words, if you had to bet negative $10,000 of student debt on it, <laughs> whose <laughs> position would you say Pulisic is more, most likely to take? So I think he's asking, you think he's going to play on the le- uh, left wing or is he going to play the 10 role? Uh, Zach, I'll start off with you. What do you think? The interesting thing was, you know, his first goal he got playing on the left. The second goal he got playing on the right. And his third goal, he got off a quarter kick, so he could kind of do it all. Um, as of right now, I'd, I'd keep playing him off on the left. I, I don't think I don't think the way Frank plays, he's gonna say, you know what, Christian, the whole left side is yours. Don't worry about it. Relax. Like he he's not gonna pull, you know, the same thing that all the other managers did with Hazard, where it's like the left is yours and no one else's. No one else is gonna play there unless your ass is on the bench. And you know Lampard switches. He he swaps his wingers all the time. Um, Cho and Pulisic must have s- swapped sides at least two or three times in the span of that first half. And it just gives you different angles to attack the other team with. Lampard's a smart manager like that. He knows you know where the spaces are and who could exploit it. And he's not afraid to make the adjustments. So I don't think that it's a matter of what position is Pulisic going to take. If you're asking me what position I think he's most effective in, I think it's off of the left because. Him cutting inside, playing that pseudo sort of – it's sort of like the new modern number 10 role where they play tucked in off the left. I think that's where he's most effective. Andres? Oh, man. I think that this season he's going to have to play everywhere. But in the long term, I think he'll take that right wing. I think that you know he's really? got the flexibility to, to – his crossing is better than I would say Chose is. And again, we talk about what's going to each player's role going to be, like who's going to be the playmaker versus who's going to be the scorer. I think that while he shined in the 10, I think that Mount has those late runs and he finds he has that eye for goal and, and he can just sniff the ugly goal on the left side. That's just where Cho is most comfortable. I know that he shined on the right, but that's again because of Eden Hazard. Mm-hmm. And once he gets his shooting figured out, he's going to be crazy cutting into his right foot. So again, because of his personality and and his style of play, I can see Pulisic being the one that can kind of pull away from the limelight a little bit. Like he's not going to be the guy that's going to aim for 20 goals a season, but he can be the guy that leads your club in assists. And so I think he can be the guy that's 
stays on the right, dribbles to his stronger right foot away from goal to set himself up for a cross or a pass. So I think that Pulisic is going to take the right wing much like he did at, at uh, Dortmund. All right, we got uh, our next question from at High Plains Moron. His words, not mine. Again, I'm not calling him a moron. I'm just <laughs> reading his name. Uh, he says, on a scale of one to fuck yeah, are you ready for Chelsea to destroy Man U? <laughs> uh, or Andres, I just want to hear Andres say fuck. Yeah, have you ever cussed <laughs> on our podcast? <laughs> fuck yeah, man. I yeah, mean, it's, a revenge <laughs> game. it's a revenge game. It, let's beat them while they're down. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. If I would love it to see, like, to get to a point where we have a lead on United and then just to rub salt on the wound, like Lampard throws in a, one of those, like, not even the, the the academy group that's in the first team right now. I'm talking, like, your Andorans and your Gilmers. Yeah. Bring one of those guys on, and then they just ball out, too, just just to rub salt on the wound. Like, ah, oh, man. I, <laughs> we're I just beating your ass to... today, and we're going to beat your ass tomorrow, and the next <laughs> year, and the next year after that. Look at all of our all young guys. All in the next 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm really hoping that, you know, Lampard puts up a, a strong cup side, but throws in like a, by the way, this little 18 year old could potentially kick your ass too. So I'm, oh my God, I just want to rub, like forget the four nil that we started the season off by eliminating them from this tournament. How did that even happen, man? That's just like, Fluke game. Who, first game who, who, I mean, like watching that match would have predicted that. After after however many games we've played, we're sitting in fourth and they're sitting thirteenth right now in the league. I mean, that's just that's the thing, like, anomaly. Exactly, that nobody's talking about anomaly. that game yeah. except us because we have to talk about United again. But yeah, <laughs> I'm sure United fans are talking about that game still. That's probably their their one point of glory this season. Um, is Rudiger gonna return against United? We haven't seen him for a while. What do you guys think? Have you guys heard anything about it? Um. Maybe because Tomori and Zuma have been playing so many games. I mean, mm -hmm. he's back with the team, so there's a chance he starts. I, I definitely don't think it'll be Christians, and I have no idea what his uh, pacing is. But I know that for the Ajax game, Lampard said that both Conte and Rudiger were back in training, but they weren't ready for selection. So yeah. maybe they'll be ready for this game. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm not an insider, but... Um, I think, I, I think it's a good game. You know, if he's good enough to give us maybe 15 or 20 minutes, I don't think it's a bad idea. You know, if, if, you know, the scoreline goes our direction, maybe throw him on for the last couple minutes of the game, ping a, ping a couple passes, make a challenge or two just to kind of get back into the flow of things. But again, we don't have to worry about rushing these guys back because we're not struggling. We're actually hardly missing them. And, yeah. I, and and that's not a diss to Rudy because he's he's he, he's my favorite defender. But you know, it, it just it kind of is what it is. We're I mean, really not missing them at the Tomori's moment. Tomori's speed plus Zuma's athleticism, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to miss anyone. You know, there was a, there was a play against Burnley where Ashley Barnes must have pulled Tomori's jersey almost off his back completely, mm -hmm. and <laughs> got at least a 15 yard head start on Tomori down the line. It was a Burnley throw in. And Tamori must have made up that ground in a matter of like a second and a half. Oh my he, god. He is lightning. Like he's not just fast, he's quick as hell. This lateral movement is insane. He kind of reminds me of a of a of an NFL cornerback. The way he's able to backpedal and sidestep and just jockey his jockey into position, it's insane. 
And I think the last two I, matches really put him on notice for the rest of the uh, of the league, honestly, because yeah, he doesn't fuck around. Yeah. Because we because I, we I obviously guess. know him because we are, we're watching all of his matches. But like the you know the the casual fan who doesn't watch all every Chelsea fan, I mean every Chelsea match, this is their first time of really seeing Tamori, and they I think that oh a lot God, of them yeah. were surprised. I want to have like a Kanye moment and like just Van Dyke, you've been great and all. But Fikayo Tomori has been the best center back in the Premier League this season. Wow. Simple as that. That tackle, <laughs> You're if we were Liverpool and Van Dyke made that tackle that Fikayo Tomori made this weekend, it would be all over the internet, all over the news, mm-hmm. all over Twitter because, oh, Van Dyke is the greatest. Bro, Fikayo Tomori's tackle should be put on loop at the Chelsea Stadium for the rest of the season. That thing was on the <laughs> Like that tackle on its own has just like that tells you who Fikayo Tomori has been for Chelsea this season. Um, Zach, did you? Oh, yeah, never mind. Um, all right, the next, let's get into the next question. Black. <laughs> I thought. Oh, never mind. I thought. I thought. I did. I was gonna wait for you to say something, but. Oh no. Uh, next question comes from at Black Emoji. Um, he asks, Zuma is twenty five, but. Why does it feel like he's still a prospect? <laughs> I mean, according to Zach, 25 years old is still a prospect when I was talking about uh... – <laughs> Hey, I'm 25 years old, and if I was a professional <laughs> athlete at this point, I'd just be looking for a payday, and that's about it. <laughs> hey, hey, New Orleans Pelicans, rookie, something, Melly, he's 28 years old. We still have time, Zach. We can still make it to the NBA. Okay, don't worry. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I guess I'll go ahead and answer this question since Zoom, uh, you know, is my boy. And I know, yeah. I know I said last week I'm starting to get emotionally detached from him, but what a time for him to start putting performances together right after I say that. Really, really good against Ajax. Um, and, and another solid outing here. You know, I think one thing that we learned, we're talking about Fikayo Tomori and how great he's been. He, he does have an error in him because he is a little young and naive, but Zuma has shown that he's he's a perfect wingman for him. He's covered for him every single time he's made a mistake in a match. And, uh, you know, and, and I think he still sort of feels like a prospect because he hasn't stagnated. He's actually gotten better as the season goes on. And I think now his ceilings are starting to open up a little bit. You know, maybe he could be that player that we've always wanted for us. He's been phenomenal. And to be completely honest with you, also his passing's not that bad. You know, he had a great year at Everton last year, and if he keeps putting performances like this together, it, it it's going to be really hard for Frank to drop him, especially if Rudy and Christensen come back healthy. You know, Frank, and and that, this is the thing I love is that Frank is not just going to throw him in based on merit. You know, Zuma's the one in for him. He's probably doing really well in training, and he he's an asset to us at the moment. And it's it's something that I don't think a lot of us were expecting three or four weeks ago, we weren't saying the same thing. The narrative was completely flipped. Yeah. I, I think he's, he feels like a prospect just based on circumstance. So again, France has had Koscielny and Varane as their starters for, for a while now. So Zuma has always felt like the young guy trying to break in. Same, same thing here at Chelsea. I mean, Zuma came whenever it was John Terry and Cahill. Then he, he broke in and, and unfortunately had to set back with the ACL he comes back and it's now Cahill and David Luiz again, plus Rudiger Aspie in a back three. He gets loaned out. Then the next season we have Sorry and it's Rudiger and David Luiz. Now he's come back from loan again. So I think that's why he feels like a prospect. 
because we got him at such a young age, but then since he's been part of the loan army. And so it just feels like he's the young guy that proved himself and earned a spot now in the first team. When in reality, he is approaching kind of the prime years of his career. It's, it's the same effect as to why we consider Loftus cheek a prospect and he's 23, 24 and has world cup experience. And he's played in the premier league. You know, it, it's one of those things where injuries set him back and it set him back at the time where he should have already been making that push into the first team. So it's as if to us in a way time froze and, you know, his injury just kind of disappeared from our, from our brains and, and years have passed since, but he's finally back. So I think that's why he feels like a prospect because yeah, he's 25, but he, to me in my head, he's still a young guy. Yeah. He's a guy on loan who comes back. You think like, you know, that that's usually you do have the prospect, but um, speaking of, bringing back players on loans we got a question this is the last question and we're already an hour and 12 minutes into the podcast so we're not gonna have much time for the previews uh but uh this question is from at chad p edm he asks talk about the next group of youth guys that could be breaking through and which loan players you'd like to see back in uh january or the summer andreas i'll start off with you what do you think oh the first one's easy. Ethan Ampadu needs to be recalled from Leipzig. Uh, Leipzig seemed like it was going to be a match made in heaven for him, but things have gone different under Nagelsmann. They're doing pretty well without Ampadu, and he doesn't seem to be like part of a plan. But he's a player that needs the minutes right now, and he has a huge ceiling, so I definitely don't want him rotting on a bench. So I want him back in January with the potential to find him a better loan. Uh Again, I think that the positions he can play right now are congested. I know we, we talk about him as a center back slash center mid, and both of those right now are just – there's no way he'll get into the side. So I would want him to go back out on loan until the summer where we can maybe, you know, get rid of a, potentially a Ross Barkley or something, which adds a spot in the center mid. Who knows? But uh, apart from him, uh, youth players that I would want to see break through – I think Gallagher is a Premier League loan away before coming back to the first team, but he's been really good with Bristol. Uh, Gilmore's been really exciting. You could I just mention all of them. It's okay. Those are, okay, I'll stop there. Those are my three. Yeah, those, no, no, no. I, I, I was going to say Connor Gallagher just because, you know, I, 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 mean, I mean, obviously Ampadu's number one here because, I mean – he's the one player where I'm looking at him and I'm thinking like, man, if any of these young guys is a Frank Lampard youngster, it's probably this kid. I mean, like based on what he offers, he's old school. He would have reminded Frank of his playing days. Like when he'd play against those hard nose, hard tackling center mids. But, you know, I, I think Connor Gallagher has a really good shot of getting into the Chelsea side next season. Um, you know, you look at not only his stats, but the impact he's having on matches. He's been Bristol's best player all season long. and you know, his, his physique is impressive. He looks like he's ready. His body looks ready for the premier league for English football. So, um, you know, th th that, that's someone I'd like to see come back next year. I think Gahey uh, has an outside chance of coming in. I think, you know, our abundance of wealth at the center back position might be, uh, might be to his detriment eventually, but, you know, based on what we've seen so far from him, he's a U 17 world cup winner, someone with a lot, you know, a with a decent reputation for considering his age, that's maybe another player to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say those two guys are the ones that, that interest me the most. I would say Gilmore, but 
Again, his size still sort of concerns me, so he still has to kind of mature physically before I could be fully confident with him being a being an outright Chelsea player for years to come. All right, let's get into the previews real quick. Um, so we already talked about this Man United match, Carabao Cup. Uh, I forget. I don't know what what round we're in. Or is this the semis or or quarterfinals? Uh, I, I think it's the first round or second oh, round. Is it? Yeah. Oh no, well, like oh, still fifth early, round. Still early yeah. days. Fifth round or something like that, probably because. Uh, Anyway, I was way off. So, Man United, as I said before, 13th in the league. Basically, they really suck. That's what. That's literally that's what, the what script, it says. That's what the script says. <laughs> uh, and I don't, I don't, not, I don't disagree with the script either. I think it's a pretty accurate description of how Man United's looked the last couple of weeks. I mean, they somehow pulled out a draw against Liverpool. I mean, almost won. Almost kept a clean sheet against them. Other than that, they've looked really bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, any besides anything we've talked about already about, I mean, we we, we kind of talked about you know the tired legs and managing the time and who we want to see run out there. But is there anything else you guys wanted to add? They're really bad at penalties. They missed two of them against Norwich. So oh, even wow. if we draw and we force penalties, we might be in a good spot. Even if so. VAR isn't on our side this time. <laughs> yeah. Watch so out it... for Scott McTominay. Oh yeah, I'm scared. I'll watch out for him. <laughs> no, um, uh, I mean, I mean, I'll just go ahead. I'll, I'll start the predictions. I guess I'm gonna go four-two Chelsea. I think we're gonna draw another four-two scoreline. We'll score a shit ton of goals. It'll be fun to watch. We'll probably leak a few. Um, but Man United are pretty sorry, and our squad is pretty thin. So, you know, I'm not really uh, terrified of Andreas Pereira running at our defense, per se. Andreas Velasco, though, that's another story. <laughs> He's scary. I'm, I'm going 3-0. I'm, I, I want the revenge game. I want a 4-0 win. <laughs> I want to get him back uh, for the 4-0 loss we took earlier this season. So... I mean that's that's I don't not that's not necessarily a prediction as much as it is a wish, but uh, I think we're gonna beat them. It's it's gonna be Man United's looking looks terrible and we look great. So hey, I can't wait to, uh, until next episode when we I talk about how much of an idiot I was for being so confident in this match. But <laughs> all right, let's get into the uh, the last match recap uh, preview. We're gonna get into uh, Saturday. At Vicarage Road against Watford. Watford is winless in 10 matches right now. They're sitting... Uh, where are they? They are... Oh, wow. Look at that. That's why yeah. it took me so long to find them. Because I had to scroll all the way to the bottom. So... And, st- and, and without a win also this season. So... Winless in 10. Yeah, that's what I said. Never mind. Um, so... What, what what needs to be said about this match, Zach? You want to start off? <clears throat> hey, but three. I think they've they've won three or they've drew three in a row. So this might be one unbeaten, of the most miserable years of Elton John's in three, life in three weeks. So come on. <laughs> like, like they drew against Tottenham. They're pretty bad. Uh, well, I don't know well, what that says. Tottenham's phenomenal, <laughs> according to uh, a lot oh, of dude, nitwits. I, that. I think Watford scored in the first five minutes of that match, and then Tottenham yeah, scored did. in the last five minutes. It was the most annoying thing ever. <laughs> I, I mean, so, I, I I think we'll beat him. I think Cho opens up his scoring account, and I think Pulisic gets another one. Fuck it. Why not? Have one. Ha- have yourselves a day, kiddos. I'm going to say 2-0 Chelsea. 
Okay, that's a good one. I think that, you know, this is typical trap game for Chelsea. You know, Watford hasn't won a game. We're in this fantastic win streak. While I'm setting this up for doom, I still think we're going to win. But I think that the guys, that Chelsea needs to score early. Uh, yeah. The more the more we give time on the clock without a goal, the more Watford starts to believe. And that can be dangerous because they do have quality players here and there. I mean, we were discussing this off air, you know. They have guys that can put the ball in the back of the net. But if we can just crush their spirits early on with like a, one of those typical Mason Mount goals, and from there we just play our game and, and beat them with, you know, quick counters. I think that, you know, Chelsea, I think the 2 nil score is a pretty fair one. Um, and I'm going to say that Mount gets back on the scoreboard along with Tammy, who Ooh. I feel like both haven't scored in a, in a little bit. They've been fine, but they just haven't been on the score sheet themselves. Uh, Watford, uh, that one goal I talked about last week against Tottenham, that was their fifth goal of the season in in 10 matches. Um, so... I mean, dare I say, oh. dare I say it, clean sheet. We keep a clean sheet against them. Where are you I mean, going, Son? You, you sound like you're about to tee up a 6-0. No, I, just, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think this is the match where since you know, since we are having this Man United match on on Tuesday, Wednesday, not Wednesday, um, you know, we need, we're going to need a game where we're going to have to, like, play all of our backups and, you know, some yeah. guys and – it's not going to be the Man United game. It's going to be the Watford match. Um, and so, like, I don't think we're going to score all that much. I mean, I think a 2-0 prediction is pretty accurate. But I, the only thing is I don't want to jinx us by saying clean sheet because it just has never happened. Every time I, I say it, like, mid-match, we just give up a goal. So I just won't say it on uh, Saturday. All right. Well, no, I mean – I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say six no. Nice. Um, so six no on behalf of Psalm. You heard it here first. I didn't say it, but uh, yeah, yeah. I but, approve um, endorse. Yeah, why not? Um. So, anyways, uh, I mean that brings us to the end of the episode. Extra long one this week, guys. But I mean, Pulisic scored a hat trick. So why would we not do <laughs> a longer podcast? Make sure you follow us at Romans Empire Pod on Twitter. Romans Empire Pod at Gmail dot com is our email address. Guys, let us know what you think of the show. We've been having a lot more interactions. Shout out to guys like High Plains Moron, Chad P, EDM. I mean, all you guys out there that are starting to tweet at us more and get more involved. We really appreciate it. So, um, you know, if, if you're a listener and you haven't reached out to us yet, I mean, just take these guys as an example. If you tweet at us, they will be answered. I pinky promise. Anyways, um, until next week, hopefully we could uh, advance in that Carabao Cup. Three more points in the bag against Watford. 6-0, courtesy of Psalm. Uh, keep the blue flag flying high.